You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello, and welcome to this bi-week episode of LFL Talk. I'm your host, Adri Mallows. Joining me on the show, as always, is... Marcus Henson, how are you, sir? Hello, Adri. Hello, lovely listeners. I'm good, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing very good, thank you. The summer is well and truly here. We've been having some great weather, like we mentioned last week. That summer holiday is getting ever closer, although I feel guilty about talking about it. <laughs> yeah, man. Ah, oh, jealousy just keeps on growing. But you know what, buddy? There'll be a time when you'll get to go and I won't. So it'll be roles reversed, I'm sure, about that. Now, join us when we come back for our nominee nations for this year's LFL Talk Awards. Football is a man's game because women hit like girls. They run like girls. And they never play with passion. Simply unbelievable. This game will never mean as much to women as it does to men. The game has never been played by women. Until now. With the season nearly an end for another year, it's time for us to go through our nominations for this year's awards. The award winners will be announced on our final episode of the season after the Legends Cup, and we will let you know when you can start voting. But as always, the conversation is always open. Just use the hashtag LFL Talk on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. Now, Marcus, we're going to start with our Warpaint Award, and the first nomination for me has to be Shailen Durham couple of designs from her this year and of course she still has one game to go we have a half skull like skeleton face and from the game against chicago she pulled out the usa flag in the style of the ultimate warrior very classy yeah absolutely i mean love some of her designs were just pretty cool another one we should definitely consider though has got to be some of the guys from the austin acoustic team several of their players had great war paint going on some tribal war paint as well steph wicket had some great sort of proper blacked out freaky freaky friday eyes at one point yeah I remember that game and I was actually looking out for pictures of that when I was looking through for our nominations and that's why we've kind of gone for I think the whole team because you had Tiffany Zimmerman in there as well and then I seem to recall there was kind of a white tribal motif that uh, Chastity Morales had at one stage as well hey why not bring it on feel bold feel dangerous I mean that's what the war paint's about Think about the next one we mentioned last week, the Miss Social Media Award. So we're looking out for our players who really sort of put themselves out there, try and connect with everyone, fans, stuff like that. So one of the definite front runners here has got to be Courtney White because she just exploded the fan pole by a landslide when we had it early in the season for best player of the year. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? It was the play of the season so far. And it happened to be, I think, about two weeks after we'd interviewed her on the show. So it was made for a quite interesting, it was more of a catch up chat, wasn't it? After that, because speaking to her two weeks before and then, yeah, she absolutely destroyed the fan vote. And again, actually, while we were doing the fan vote between herself and her mum as well, managed to get some really interesting social media pictures. Well, another one that we've got to consider, definitely a fan favourite, just by pure number of followers, has got to be Amanda Ruler. She's got something like 41,000 followers. That's pretty impressive, actually. And she's always on Instagram. Uh, always get to see her pictures. They're always filling up my, my timeline. So, yeah, a great one to have. And the last one I want to throw out there, we mentioned some of her war paint earlier, and that is Steph Wicket of the Austin Acoustic, just purely because whenever I see her posts on Twitter, for, um, Instagram, etc., always brings a smile to my face. She's always got something good or, or fun to say. Yeah, 
and that's that's kind of what it should be about really i mean social media should be something we we can use to connect with people anywhere in the world just to bring a smile to someone's face and like we said we're going to announce when these are actually going to go live but keep coming up with some ideas yourself guys you know something you could throw out there that's it the voting may not be live yet but the conversation is always open hashtag lfl talk Next up, we have our best trash talker. Now, is it me, Marcus, or do these names appear every year? Because they are very good at talking trash. And that is Ogum Chichindu and Adrian Pennell. What are your thoughts? Ogum Chichindu, I mean, if anyone hasn't seen it, this week's wild clip went up today, I believe. It has got Miss Chichindu featured quite heavily scented in that. With our other candidate, uh, Adrian Pennell, definitely some real trash talking in that. It's a good clip, but at the same time, it's one of those that, much though it kind of creates entertainment i still don't like to see that kind of fighting on the field but i mean it shows passion at the end of the day yeah it shows passion but like you say <laughs> these two oh man i mean I'm, I'm sure it's a buzz and they run off that emotion but that's what trash talking's about right Right, well, they're the fun awards we mentioned last week. So we're going to go now onto the serious ones, ones we really want to sort of indulge onto players because they really mean something. And the first one we're going to touch on is most improved player, you know, something that doesn't always get highlighted, the the players who maybe are, are out there putting on the big hits and stuff like that. But what about the people who are always on the field, always grafting to get better? Yeah, I think maybe it's an English thing because we have it in a lot of our Sunday League normal football teams, don't we? Most improved players, as far as I'm aware, is always one of the awards that you get at the end of the season. You have like players, player, most improved player, coaches, player, just something that needs to be done to recognise that actually, while people are still striving to become the best, it shows that they're putting in all that effort to become the best. Absolutely. Well, if it's quite a British thing, then tally-ho to that. Rocking this off, I mean, some of the names we're throwing out there, people like Dominique Collins, Michelle Angel some big names that have improved yeah and I think it's very difficult to ignore Naz Johnson with the season she's had I mean she's just shown that if you put her behind a line like that the damage that she can do with her cuts behind um, and into the open space um, she's just absolute lightning another one I want to mention who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago just because the first couple of games she's really stepped up at cornerback for me and that's Shabria Civilian. yeah and, and they're the ones you want to put in people who we saw a little bit of what they could do last year and maybe some things have changed around they're on a new team, a new system perhaps, and they're just electric. We come on now to the Rookie of the Year nominations. Now, this year we've had a great class. I mean, 2016 has been full of amazing rookie talent, helped by obviously the, the new teams we've had in New England and in Austin and with the return of Dallas as well. And that's where I'm going to start off with our Rookie of the Year nominations, and that is Jade Randall. Yeah, I mean, how impressive has she been, the, you know, fitted into that Dallas team so nicely and staying in the state of Texas. I mean, how about some of the uh, the rookies for Austin? Uh, I mean, uh, Michelle Marshall, Selena Fudge, they've just been amazing to watch. Yeah, again, for, for a rookie team, and their record doesn't really do them justice, I don't think, because when you look back at their games, with the exception of that one game against Dallas that was a complete blowout, they were competitive against LA, they were competitive against Seattle as well, um, to a point, bearing in mind it was their first game of the season. Some other players that have impressed me this year, going back to the eastern side of the country and the conference, and we've got Kristen Morrison and Amanda Johnson from Chicago, two different sides of the ball, one beasting it, filling the spot of middle linebacker in Kristen Morrison, and of course, Amanda Johnson, who is filling uh, Miss Albert's shoes. Yeah, and this goes back to a um, solid team knowing how to go out and recruit prime A athletes. When suddenly you've got someone who's not there, you go out there and you find someone to replace them who is as good, if not better. 
So that takes us nicely onto the last one that we've got of our picks, uh, which is going to be the MVP, you know, most valuable player. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, there's so many names you could throw in because everyone's going to have an opinion about how you see football and who makes it valuable. Is it a surprise, Andrew, we've got the same sort of names sort of cropping up again this year? I don't think it's any surprise when you look at some of the names we've got. I mean, Danica Bray, Stevie Schnorr, the last couple of years, as well as a, a lot of other people, to be fair, on that Seattle team, but they're two of the most dominant people at their position. Yeah, and some of the ones we had last year, I mean, we've got Dakota Hughes, Lauren Ziegler, another two names that we've, you know, I'm sure this is their second year on a row being put onto this list, but how about some of the ones sneaking in this year? I mean, Jade Randall, rookie and MVP. I mean, it's a possibility. You look at the way she's played and I was looking at the stats earlier and I was sure that she'd had more than two interceptions. Maybe one of them got overturned. So that's why I'm thinking she had at least three. But certainly, yeah, I mean, her performance on defense, her performance on offense. I mean, she is a, a touchdown machine. Staying on sort of like offense, touchdown machines, you know, how about Jane Caldwell and Jacinda Barkley? Yep, Jane Caldwell rushing touchdowns <laughs> it's unbelievable when you look at bearing in mind we know she's a quarterback but we saw last year how good at running she was I mean when there's nothing on downfield what's the best thing to do tuck the ball and run and she does that almost better than anyone in the league yeah and she's I mean for that LA team that's the perfect system because she's filling that Solano spot yeah all we need to do is maybe work on that that deep threat on, on the arm and then she will be like Solano speaking of deep threat though the Aussie import Jacinda Barkley from one Aussie import to another, I mean, how great has she been to sort of taking in uh, the Rockstar Heather first shoes? I think Christelle said it best, to be fair, when she said you can't replace the Rockstar, but she's doing a very good job of filling the void left by the Rockstar because I mentioned it when I found out she was signing for Chicago. For me, she is the X factor. And especially if Chicago do go on to win the Legends Cup, she is going to be a big reason for it. Hence the MVP vote. <laughs> We finish off now with the award voted for by you, our lovely listeners. Again, we will announce when the nominations are available. You'll be voting on social media using the hashtag LFLTalkPOY and we'll announce, like I say, when the votes start and that'll be at the end of the regular season. But here are our nominations that we think for LFL Talk Player of the Year. Going to start with Atlanta and Lauren Ziegler. I mean, nominated for the Hall of Fame again this year. I mean, how many superlatives can you use to describe Miss Ziegler? She is just essentially the LFL in a person, you know, hard work, dedication, sacrifice, putting everything into what she's got. And then at the same time, she looks amazing. You know, she looks amazing playing football. She just looks amazing. Let's face it. It is just what the LFL is built around. Women, talented athletes who just light up the football field. And thinking of lighting people up, that's a nice little segue there, buddy, to another one of our nominations for Player of the Year. And that is Danica Brace, who does light everybody up that she hits. And unsurprisingly, that we've got another Hall of Fame nominee as well on this list. Yeah absolutely I mean they're nominated for the Hall of Fame for a reason you know they've appeared in a couple of the categories already you can see why if you're familiar with the league which I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this beautiful podcast but yeah they're two names some others as well we've got the rookie in there Jade Randall we've got Jacinda Barkley in there as well because come the end of the season again you'll see why um, and then we finish off with a couple of people that you may not have uh, suspected yeah and this is what I like about it I mean we've put them in here we want you guys at home to really sort of add into this conversation make it big make it something to talk about and be like really or yes they should definitely be in that and one of those names is that I was really an advocate for is Selena Fudge brilliant defensive back for Austin yeah and I won't forget that game against Dallas because I mean Michelle Angel was so lucky in that game because Fudge could have 
have had about two or three picks, I think, in the first half. Yeah, and throughout the season, you know, Austin, we can't say they've had a bad season. As as far as breaking the waters and coming into the NFL, they've had a good year. And, you know, some real good talent. It's difficult to pick one player out of that. However, you know, Selena really came on. I thought she was a little undersized at the beginning of the year, but she plays with a lot of heart. And that just said more volume than words for me. And the final person we've come up with for you is Naz Johnson. Again, can't say enough for the season she's had for LA. I mean, she's had an, a brilliant season, shown really why maybe Atlanta should have held on to her. Sorry, coach, if you're listening, but she seems to be doing a sterling job. I think that's enough from us. We'll get the conversation started with you guys out there. Like we said, hashtag LFL Talk on social media and start the conversation for any of those awards. And we will let you know when the uh, voting commences. LFL Mobile, giving you access to the gridiron goddesses of the LFL with exclusive photos, videos, live game reporting and fan promotions. LFL Mobile, download on your Android or iPhone. Well, we're back to our game matchups. Yes, we've got a game this weekend. Big matchup, really. Saturday, we've got Dallas Desire taking on the Omaha Heart. What are your keys to this game, Adri? Well, for me, I think the first thing is that Dallas need to be physical. We saw how they managed to dismantle Austin when they were so physical up front. They need to be that physical again and overwhelm Omaha. They need to keep the pressure on the free agent signing from New England, Alex Drake, and create opportunities for their secondary to pick her off. I'd also recommend multiple blitz packages and get in those blitz is disguised and for Omaha same as usual really they need to hold on to the ball use up as much of that clock as possible just chew the clock and be strong up front and stop the run game of Dallas what do you think Marcus yeah I mean definitely for me I mean if we're going to look at the Omaha side of the picture it's definitely looking around Alex Drake bringing in that sort of quarterback you know is that going to actually work is it going to just be a quick fix maybe hope that it's going to just sort of produce some results or you know have they actually had enough time to make that gel again the problem is just going to be for me also the coach situation you know playing that ultimate chess match I just think um, whether or not Omar will have you know the ability to sort of counter punch if needed as Dallas side of the ball is going to have to keep that game strong keep really attacking uh, making sure that you're aggressive on both sides of the field making sure that your defense is chasing down after Alex Drake and of course your offense is just always you know not really giving them chance you know you're punching with the deep passes downfield but you're also establishing a decent strong run game and as we're talking about establishing a strong run game you need a strong offense offensive line. So joining us on the show now to help with our game preview is center for the Dallas Desire, Nicole Peterson. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Hello. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. Now, as it is your first time on our show, please can you advise our listeners a little about your background and how you became involved in the NFL? Absolutely. So um, last year, I was the marketing director for the whole league, and I kind of fell in love with it. I've been a football fan forever. My dad played for the Bears, so I kind of grew up in that environment. And I really looked at it last year and was like, you know, I can do this and work for about a year now. I started last July pretty much training to be able to play this year, worked out with a couple different teams, and then decided on Dallas really because of the coaching staff. I knew that they could develop me into a player pretty quickly. Um, at, at a level where I wanted to be and that's really you know how I got to, to here. <laughs> now you mentioned there obviously you were working as part of the backroom staff last year. What's that transition been like from staff to player? You know what? 
was pretty fluid for me because I knew so many people already in the league and there was a lot of people that were really supportive and, you know, would give me advice. And even when I broke my wrist, um, one of the girls from Atlanta who had done the same thing last year, she reached out to me to kind of give me some pointers. So I think it was really an asset for me. One, because I know how the behind the scenes operations work. So it was a lot easier to transition that to a new team and tell them, you know, this is the way things are run. So we were always on top of logistics. And then two, just having the support of other girls in the league that I know from last year and really my teammates here, but just knowing so many different people that could help me with this journey really, I think, gave me an advantage over, you know, some of the rookies coming in that really didn't know anything about the league. Now, we've heard nothing but praise for your coaches there in Dallas. Now, what was it you'd say separates the Bullet Brothers from some of the other coaches in the league? Oh, man. Um, I I can't say enough about our coaches. They are, they all have ex-professional experience. So, um, you know, as most people know, Melvin Bullet played for the Colts for a number of years and he was a captain. So his leadership skills automatically are just above and beyond what I've ever seen before in this league. Um, and Jacob Lacey, who helps with our defense, he also played with Melvin in Indianapolis. So they all have professional experience and they've all been coached at every level. And I think that they each take that and apply it to us. So, you know, we're not just coached as a team or coached how to watch film, which they do that. Um, but we're coached individually for our specific position for each game. So they really change our game plan every every game. We never have the same playbook. We game plan for our specific competitors um, per position. So it's not just as a team, okay, they do a dive left every, you know, three plays or so. It's really, you know, this girl rushes here. So this is her weakness. This is how you can overcome that. And I mean, coming out here in January, end of January, early February, um, I, I'm a way different person within the football spectrum than I was, you know, six months prior to that when I was just training in LA. So I, I can't say enough about them. They're super professional and they keep it professional with us. They don't yell at us. I think maybe that's something that's really different from any of the other coaches. I'm sure we've all seen the wow clip. Our coaches do not yell at us. They constructively criticize in a way different way. And I think for this team anyway, it works. Obviously other teams, their system works for them. Um, but for us, this is, this it seems to have really, you know, hit with our dynamic group and they're I just like I said I can't say enough about how great they are and you mentioned there Melvin's time with the Colts and of course he was part of the Super Bowl winning team against the Bears so was there any friction there because if your dad played for the Bears does that mean you're a Bears fan <laughs> yeah you know what? That's the first thing I brought up when I met him because, of course, before coming out to Dallas, I Googled who the coaches were going to be to see if it was worth my trip because I wasn't going to move to a city with coaches that I didn't feel like could really develop me as a player. Uh, and as soon as I saw that he won a Super Bowl and, you know, <laughs> and it was against the Bears, we had some fun with it when I first met. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm always going to be a Bears fan. He's going to be a Colts fan. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we come on to this season itself now and you've experienced both the highs of victory and the lows of that close defeat to LA but what is the main thing you've learned during your rookie season you know that you're never going to be perfect and you can always get better I watch film all the time both with my coaches with my other teammates and with myself and sometimes I'll watch a game and one play um, everything's textbook and great and the next play I'm like what was I doing I'm in la la land so even just 
from my first game to my third game, it's been a lot different. The development between every game, I think, between all of our rookies has really increased our level of play. LA was heartbreaking for us because, you know, we really, really wanted to win and we felt like we could have. And we were down to nine players by the end of the game. We just had so many injuries. And that's kind of what's been our downfall this whole season has been injuries. It hasn't been execution. So, yeah, I mean, the takeaway from that, I guess, is we had to go out and and find extra players and, and we had to then have practices to train ourselves to really not get hurt. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but that's really what's been killing us this season is injuries. Less, you know, it's not so much that we're messing up plays or we're not making our assignments is that we have, we have to put people in situations that they don't haven't necessarily practiced. So we've been doing a lot better about that at practice, having everybody kind of learn every position so that if something does happen, that we have people to fill in. And of course, mentioning injuries, uh, you, you mentioned earlier in the, uh, the interview, you, you played with a broken wrist. Uh, how is that now? Is it <laughs> is the injury all ready to go? Are you healed up, ready in time for this week's game? Yes. So I, my cast actually came off two or three days after uh, the Seattle game. Um, and I've been rehabbing since then, and I'm at 100% strength now. So I am more than good to go. I probably will wear um, a bracelet for the rest of the season just to be safe, but I'm already doing bodyweight push-ups and everything, so I should be 100%. <laughs> That's good to hear. Now, what does Dallas need to do in order to come away with the much-needed victory against Omaha? Really, we need to go into this game as we went into every other game, and we have been planning the same exact way we planned for Seattle and L.A. We're not overlooking Omaha. We do know that they've picked up a few players. Uh, We've heard through a couple rumor mills that they've got some girls from Austin, and we know that they are actually taking this game more serious than any game that they've had all season. So we aren't going in taking it lightly at all. We're not condensing our playbook. We're not dumbing anything down. We actually added, I want to say upwards of 15 new plays just on offense alone and a, and a specific defense alone for them. So we're going into this game like we did Seattle and LA and Austin, and we're not overlooking them at all, whether they're the best team in the league or the worst team in the league. We have our mindset the same. I mean, this is essentially a playoff game for us. We have to win. It's a must-win game. So we're going in as if the same way we're going to go into Seattle on August 20th, because trust me, we're going to be there. <laughs> Well, you'll be happy to know, hard questions, they're done. But we'd like to finish the interview now. Some fun, quick-fire questions if you're ready for them. Sure. Oh, gosh, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, don't be, don't be, don't be. It's be fun. Right, which teammate do you not want to be stuck in a lift with? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, I love all my teammates. Okay, I will say when I'm tired, I don't want to be stuck with Morgan. Love Morgan to death, but she can talk. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes you're just too tired to practice. I mean, we practice out in this Texas heat outside, you know, for four hours. And then when you're done with practice, you don't want to see any of your teammates for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand that with some of the teammates. I have, to be honest. (laughs) Now, where is the best place to eat in Dallas? Uh, I just had this one last week um, on Commissioner's Corner. A great place in a town is called Vickery Park. And um, we go there on Sundays a lot for brunch. They have amazing specials. It's all farm to plate organic local food. And they always have um, like live band. The bartenders are awesome. There's so much culture inside the bar. So I think it's definitely going to be our spot for football Sunday as well. Good shout. Good shout. Now, yourself personally, do you have any special pregame rituals? And if so, what are they? 
say? I have a couple. I have to, this might surprise some people. I have to listen to really, really ratchet rap music to get my mind kind of in the right <laughs> state because I'm normally not a super aggressive person in my personal life. Um, but on the field, I have to kind of tune that in when I, when you're alignment and you just, you have to be aggressive or you're not going to be successful. Um, so I listen to really ratchet like Young Jeezy um, before we play. Um, I also have to take a group of, of um, pre-workout a half an hour before warm-up. And then I have individual stuff with some of the girls. Michelle Angel and I are really close friends, so we have kind of a pregame ritual for our wristband. You know, Danielle Hawkins is a good friend of mine, so I always have to talk to her. Victoria Thomas is like my spirit animal. She, she, if I'm ever, you know, nervous or upset about something, she's always the one to calm me down. So I have a couple of people I kind of lean on pregame, but um, yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> Can you describe your perfect day off? Oh, sleeping until noon. <laughs> Um, because I don't get much sleep at all. But sleeping all day and then probably until about noon, maybe go get some great food at Vickery Park and then laying by the pool or beach. Now, you know what? Eve would do me right now. It's, it's perfect pool or beach weather. Now, who is the tougher coach? Melvin or Terrence? Oh, Melvin, for sure. Melvin's a lot older. He's about six or seven years older than Terrence. But Melvin's, you know, sometimes there's occasions where, because we practice three to four days a week, so sometimes there's occasions where Melvin can't make it and Terrence can. And automatically everybody's shoulders kind of drop when Melvin's not there in a great way. I mean, he pushes us because he wants to, us to be the very best that we personally can be. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure when he's out practice. He's such He's had such a great career career and he's amazing at what he does and you know he knows how to show us everything so it's automatic pressure to want to please him he's almost like you know all of our our sport dad um but melvin's a lot harder than terrence on us <laughs> what three words would you use to describe the lfl dynamic it's ever-changing and you never know what's going to come next exciting i don't think anybody could ever watch or come to a game and say that they weren't entertained and i want to say risky because in a very positive way we really push the envelope when it comes to women and athletics and there's nothing else out there that's like us that's as respected as us and it's just it's fun to watch so i would say those three would be my top top three there's so many words to describe the lfl great words <laughs> oh absolutely we could go on all day however that is the end of the day as far as the interview goes but before we finish this all off we'd like to give the mic over to you 10 seconds to have a shout out you can fake your fans family or if you feel like it you can talk a bit smack to omaha <laughs> awesome well i definitely do want to thank the fans specifically in dallas but really all over the country um i've had so many amazing amazing messages in, in my social media inboxes and thank you to everyone that helped me along this journey even Mitch you know who he could have said you know you worked for me last year this is not for you and he was really supportive when I told him I wanted to play Michelle Angel for getting me kind of prepared for the season Melvin and Terrence obviously our coaches are amazing but at the end of the day we all do this for the fans and for you know the young girls looking to do something athletic and after they get out of college like all of us did um, and to Omaha we wanted to be a really good game we want it to be competitive so you know what i'm not going to talk too much smack to them just be prepared for the big blue wrecking crew because we're definitely coming in with a full force well from myself adri all our fans we want to thank you for coming on the show today it's been a real pleasure thank you for having me how does an athlete reach the pinnacle of the lfl performance training focus yet ever active in their community, film study, practice, 
in superb condition, leading a healthy lifestyle. I'm an LFL athlete. Are you? This is Chastity Morales, wide receiver, playing for the Austin Acoustics, and you are listening to LFL Talk with Adria Marcus. The world's fastest-growing sport arrives to YouTube. Legends Football League. Break their confidence. Keep breaking their confidence. They've got nothing. They want to brawl. They don't want to play football. Intensity. Beauty. Subscribe to this channel and gain access into locker rooms. Inside the huddle. Every other time they run to the outside and they're fucking getting it. Get to know your favorite players. The one thing I want to do is just make everyone happy. Give 100%. And full-length games in high definition. Subscribe and never miss out on LFL Action. Now, with the big game between Dallas and Omaha coming up, we are back to our predictions. Marcus, you're the man to go first as always, my friend. I am the man to go first, and I'm desperately wanting a win. I don't know if anyone's actually been keeping score, but Adri's kicking my butt, so let's get a win this week. I'm feeling, you know what, Dallas, they're well coached. They've got great talent, and I think it's just going to be too much for an Omaha team that is looking to go out on a high, being competitive. But I still see Dallas just destroying them. 60 points to zero. Sorry, guys. Wow. I'm probably not welcoming Omaha anymore. That makes two of us, buddy. So if the Legends Cup's ever in Omaha, we probably shouldn't go. Or fake mustaches and passports. Ah, yes. Okay, yeah, the fake mustache I hear, that is a a good way to go. I've seen that a lot on Archer. I'm just going to call myself Randy as well. Does that work? (laughs) Oh, for the love of Randy Randleman. Yeah. There are other cartoons out there, but that's one of my (laughs) favourites. Anyway, we're going to move swiftly on to my prediction. And yeah, Marcus is right. I am above him. I've got four predictions or four scores or closest scores uh, so far this season. And how many do you have, Marcus? One second, let me count them. Zero? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) my prediction for this week is Dallas 48, Omaha 6. Um, oh, so you see them getting a score? I do see them getting a score because whether it be when, when Dallas rest players or you never know, I mean, Omaha may start fast. We've seen that before. Getting a score early on and just kind of riling Dallas up and we'll see what happens from there. But with the Bullet Brothers as coaches, I'm pretty confident Dallas are going to get the win they need because let's not forget this. Dallas need that win to secure a playoff spot. And I see that happening. Not only that, they win by seven points. They're going to win the West. And that, to me, sounds like they deserve to be in the uh, playoffs if they do that. All that remains is for me to thank our guest, Nicole Peterson. As always, my amazing co-host, Marcus Henson. Remember, if you want to stay up to date with all of the latest news from around the league, then go to LFL360.com. And if you want to check out any of our past shows and player interviews, then go to LFLTalk.com. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by.